This might make some chicken in the kitchen with it with the whiskey. They wish it, they was kicking with this. Why not pay a visit? I'll be CT chilling. Pay attention. I'm What is going on, folks? I am your host of the Ring of Discussions podcast, Truman Hudson the Third, your Triple Crown Tri-National Hardcore Cruiserweight Champion of the World, and I am joined today by a fellow young African American wrestler. Well, I'm not a wrestler, but I, I I've just encountered one of Britain's young and up and coming young young and up and coming young up and coming talents there we go let's rephrase that in the sport of pro wrestling Alex Cupid Alex how are you doing today man I'm doing pretty damn good that's a pretty um, good introduction man oh oh thank you very impressed by that oh thank you thank you very much um well, with talking about impressions or, you know, being impressed about something, I'd like for my viewers at home to be impressed by your work. And how can they do that? How can they reach you via social media? Uh, my social media is, uh, I hardly use Twitter anymore. I'll probably get into that later on. But on Instagram, I am at I am Alex Cupid. On Facebook, my page is The Prince of Hearts, Alex Cupid. And um, I have a YouTube channel as well. If you just type in Alex Cupid, you'll see some stuff there as well. Alrighty, you know what to do, folks. You know where to find Alex, and you also know where to find the Ring of Discussion show. Twitter, Instagram, at uh, thudson3rd. Again, Twitter, Instagram, at thudson3rd. I am primarily on Twitter, but you always know that I will respond to you on, or I'm primarily on Instagram, but I will also respond to you on Twitter. So if you guys have any questions to submit to the show, or if you want to follow on what the show is doing, you know what to do. Instagram, Twitter, at thudson 30 and also go on to the website that has been officially published as of yesterday. Um, it is the rodcommunity.com, again, rodcommunity.com or slash Wix site. I still have to buy the domain. Chill out, folks. Calm down. Either way, let's get on with today's show. So, Alex, tell me about, I'm just going to go right into it. Tell me about childhood. Tell me about growing up. I've never... Um, I've never gotten your perspective on growing up in England or where did you grow up and tell me about that. Let's go, let's start with there. Uh, I grew up mainly in in London, so um, a pretty urban area called Hackney, which is where I am right now actually. And um, it's a pretty it's a mixture of the area. Area is a bit mixed, so it's a very rough area, but it's also a very middle class area at the same time. And um, growing up, it was it was pretty fun to be honest. Um, it had its major downs as well, but um, for the most part, it was pretty fun. Like, I come from what's known as, like, a single mom family. So it's uh, just my mom, myself, my older brother, my older sister. So um, it's just been me riding a wave, pretty much, and hoping to do the best I can to represent, I guess, my community as well as other communities out there as well. That is awesome. That's awesome to hear, uh, especially to know that your mother was hardworking and making sure that you all uh, were successful, and you definitely are successful in uh, seeing your success. Oh, my gosh, success. Success bloom. Um, it's definitely awesome. I do want to talk more about your childhood. Now, tell me about, you know, school life. Tell me about, you know, um, the things you love to do. Uh, if they're influenced to what you're doing today, you know, let's get more in detail on, you know, your childhood. Yeah, um, so my school life was pretty hard. Um, 
it was easy going through um, what you guys would call elementary school until like the final year and then moving into like um, middle school and all that stuff. Because um, uh, that's when like my work of mental health comes from now. So I picked up, I realized I had um, ADHD, which then led to things like uh, depression, anxiety. Um, ADHD is ADD for you guys over there. So um, that means focus isn't my biggest thing, which... Uh, that raises a lot of red flags when it comes to wrestling, but we'll get to that later. And um, that made school pretty hard, but um, I just about got through it. Like, I just about made it through. And the teachers weren't super helpful. No one around me was really helpful until it was a bit too late. Um, again, um, just that perseverance. Like, I've managed to pull it through. I don't know how. It's a bit of a miracle, but I just about pulled through with um, a good enough, a good amount of qualifications so I could, at least if something goes wrong with wrestling, I can fall back into some form of work and job. And what specifically, what other career would you have fallen into if wrestling did not uh, come out the way that you would have thought it would? Um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to tell you that honestly because I only found, found my career, like my other career through wrestling for realizing that um, my mental health isn't amazing. I realize that I do want to get into mentorship and teaching. So um, my side job is mainly working with young kids. So I, I've given talks before. I've uh, worked out as like a teaching assistant. So that's assisting kids, maybe with learning difficulties or just difficulties in general. So I guess teaching and working with um, the youth of today really is my main career passion. Now, that's awesome to hear, but I do want to talk about, you know, how the world has been shifting into talks and bringing up the talks of mental health, you know, that's come to the forefront of, you know, lots of situations and lots of things going on in our world, you know, with it evolving, which is awesome. But I'd like to hear, you know, um, your role in that more on what you're doing, because I, what I hear of what you're doing, when I see what you're doing, um, maybe get into more detail on the organization that you're working with. Yeah, sure. I work with an organization called Young Minds, and uh, I call them, to talk to wrestling fans, I call them the CM Punk of charities because uh, they work for the voice of the voiceless, in effect. So what we do is we go to like the government, we go to organizations, like um, we have the NHS, which is our health service over here, and we tell them how they could do better, and we assist them. And our job is to make sure that health systems over here for mental health and kids is efficient and it works. So um, while our healthcare is free, there's, a, a, there's loads of waiting lists. So um, when I first had my like first mental health crisis, I was on a waiting list for about six months. What? So, um, yeah, that's, that's the main difference between the US and the UK. Um, we have to wait a very long time to get what should be for me basic needs. Um, while in America, you get paid, you, know, you have to pay for things, but it happens fairly quickly. Um, yeah, so I'm, st- I'm actually on a waiting list right now for an appointment I tried to book um, around, God, September of 2018. So uh, I'm still waiting for things like that. And um, it's, it's that's things like that a young mind tries to fix. So we submitted um, a petition to the government the other day to review how they look at kids in um, youth homes, like so how they're treated as well, because sometimes they aren't treated super, um, very well. So we, um, 
Yeah, we're just looking into improving the world, starting with the youth, I guess. So between these long wait, waiting periods, because like you mentioned, in the U.S., it's completely different. You'll be admitted or you know helped with you know as soon as possible um, here. Now in England or in London, uh, things seem to be different. And with that said, I'd like to ask you, between those time periods, what can you do for yourself or what have you done for yourself and to help the viewers out there at home that are struggling with any, you know, um, uh, any mental health um, problems that are, you know, unable, they're unable to address due to uh, any type of backlash from um, people at home or outside of the house um, or any type of situation where people feel like they can't speak up and they need to cope with it at home until they're able to get the help that they can. What have you done to help yourself? Um, there's loads of things. Like, this is an ongoing thing with me. So um, I, I, like my recent period, I've found that writing things down really helps me. Um, and writing down my feelings and then destroying it is also pretty fun for me. I, I would write down um, why I'm feeling sad about something or why I'm feeling down or why I'm angry or something. And then I'll tear it to pieces and throw it away. Um, I don't, there's no science behind it. It's just one of the things you do and you just go, wow, I guess I'm, I'm sort of me alleviating my own problems. Another thing is, um, I always say there's more than one option. There's more than three options too. A lot of people say there's, um, a lot of people give option A, B, and C. There's an option D, E, F. There's so many more. Um, in the UK, we have the Samaritans, which is a phone number which you can phone and it's, it's um it's a free phone as well. You phone it and you put it through to somebody who's a volunteer, whose ears are open and there to listen to you, and they save lives. The amount of times that I people I know I myself has phoned that number and they've gone through to somebody and they've spoken to them and they've stopped them from committing like suicide or um, hurting themselves or somebody else even is it's incredible. They're miracle workers. Um, Another option you have is to talk to um, a GP. A lot of people, so that's a, a, a doctor. Uh, you can get appointments fairly quickly over here. Following a GP, you can get a callback service as well, and you're put through to a professional who can guide you and help you out. And they could help maybe speed up the process that the NHS overall is lacking in. So um, there's like loads of different ways you can go about your problems, about which one suits you. Some people try medication, some people do uh, meditation. Um, some people find that sitting back and playing video games helps. Some people find painting and listening to music helps. So explore the thing that calms you and that makes you, I guess, brings you back down to earth. Because when you're feeling this way, you're really up in your head. You're not really thinking logically about things. You're just everywhere. You're scattering, if you get what I mean. Yeah, I, I completely understand. Um... And with that said, I also want to talk about um, the possible connection, if I'm correct, the possible connection um, with mental health, um, specifically your mental health and the work that you're doing um, with Young Minds. Uh, I also want to talk about the possible connection and how that's transformed yourself or transitioned into the ring. Um, any words on that? Yeah, there's um, so much I can say. So, um when I first started wrestling, I, I, I was like 17, and I couldn't, I was overweight, I was like, I guess, I was, in my eyes, I was stupid, but I was also very young, and I wasn't really, my brain wasn't ready for it, so um, 
I, I did it and we did this thing called beginner's course and I failed. And I left and I came back and I failed again. This is at the Progress Wrestling School, um, which is now arguably the biggest independent promotion in the world. So I was like, damn. And um, I went and I did it a third time and I passed it without messing up anything. I just did it perfectly. And when I passed it, I was like, great, now the hard work starts. And during that time, I found Young Minds, and I was like, yo, I think I want to wrestle with this company by my side. So I have a charity there that I can support and they'll support me. So we, I sent a few messages out, and they invited me to come down to do this thing called the Activist Program. A whole bunch of young people were there with similar mindsets to my own, and I became a Young Minds activist. And then from there, pretty much, our relationship just grew and grew and grew. So now I'm a fairly a sort of known independent wrestler over here with like a growing name. I, I have like the Young Minds leaflets and I talk to lots of wrestling fans on mental health um, in ring and out of the ring, um, especially like on Instagram, like, you know, like I spoke to you earlier on this week. And I just said, yo, my emails are open for any fans of mine or any anyone in general. Like, I don't really care if you hate me. Like, rather you um, you talk to somebody who you hate rather than you do something stupid. So I just said, hey, like, anyone can talk to me about things. And my inbox is very full from that whenever I do things like that. But I, I enjoy just putting my hand out there because when I did it, Young Minds put their hand out and they saved me effectively. So um, the work I do with Young Minds is, is saved my life, but it's also given my career a reason to exist because, you know, my viewpoint of, of being a professional wrestler isn't just applying a headlock really well and being super excellent in the ring. It's, it's about being a good role model to people as well. So I, I see guys like John Cena and, um, you know, The Rock and Roman Reigns, and they do things like Make-A-Wish, and those are the things that I think I can do so much more. So I've been pushing myself to be more of an ambassador for wrestling, an ambassador for myself and in my community as well, rather than just being a guy who just wrestles and shows up and leaves. So. Well, that's that's definitely great to hear. Um, and with all that said, is that has any correlation with the always forward wristbands you wear or sleeves yeah. you wear? Yeah, that, that is, um, that's something that, that, um, that I came up with just, if you see the similarities with another black wrestler, Darren Young, and um, he has Block the Eight on his one, and I saw that, I was like, that's cool as hell. And when I got better, I realized that I don't really have anything to me. I'm, I'm just a guy that's sort of mental health, and I, um, I was watching um, Luke Cage, and one of the things he says in like, the first episode is always forward, forward always, and I was like, that's mine. That's going to be mine forever. <laughs> and I, um, I, I took it and I ran with it. And um, so far, that's worked out. That's worked out really well. And um, it's on T-shirts of mine now. This is the thing I say, thing I do. And um, it's a real thing as well. It's not just something I could say to put on a T-shirt and sell it and then get 15 bucks for it. No, it's something that I feel when time is low and it's used to resonate with people. And finding other other pros are using that always forward to um, inspire themselves as well. Honestly, is um, you know, I'm honored to even hear that from some people. So it's great. Well, you hear that hashtag loyal royal listeners. 
always forward forward always as in the great words of luke cage and then on this show as of tonight alex cupid so uh with that said i want to start rolling on into the beginning of your training we talked about it for a brief minute but i want to get on the wrestling path and then we're going to go back to personal life and then we'll flip flop back and forth that's how this show rolls so let's talk about the beginning of your training tell me about the beginning because the one thing i've noticed is that um across the water on you guys side of the water people start wrestling early so you know you started off at 17 correct yeah i started at 17 um couldn't hack it uh, admittedly and i came back when i was like 18 um and i officially started when i was 18 and i started at the progress wrestling school and i trained under um jimmy havoc who's now signed to AEW, so congrats, man, um, and Dow Allen. So I trained on those um, those guys, and I learned a lot from them too. And that's just where I started, and I've been growing since then. And then as I became more confident in myself as a wrestler, I started to travel out to different places. So my main home for training at the moment is um, the London School of Lucha Libre, who's, they are the, like, the reason why Will Ospreay exists. And he's always grateful to them. He's always in that building, the resistance gallery. He's training people himself. So I'm now trained by Will as well. So, like, uh, again, I'm really lucky for that. Um, I train at a place called UBW, which is run by a guy called Paul Ash. So I go to, like, three different training schools just because I have to get better at wrestling. <laughs> I still train to this very day. I think it's very important. Not as much as I would like to, but I still try my best to. But, yeah, training... Uh, I started off at Progress, um, and then that the Progress Wrestling School then became Knuckle Ox. As Progress got really big as an independent company, that they didn't, I don't think they viewed, they didn't even necessarily have a training school because there were so many different training schools around the London area anyway. So they could just have a pick of any young talent they want, rather than just have a select few. And um, it's worked out for them. Because on their pre-shows, they have talents from the Hustle Wrestling School, which is in the um, north of London. Guys from Knucklelots, which was the Progress School. Guys from London School Lucha Libre. Guys from everywhere. So um, I'm grateful to Progress, the wrestling company, for the opportunity that they've given me to fulfill a dream of mine. And forever grateful for it. So that's great. That is great. That is uh, really cool to hear. Um, the metamorphosis of the in-ring well we didn't even really get to that but we will be getting to that but the beginning of your training now i do want to talk about in-ring tell me about how you developed your skill set um whether that be you know uh mentally physically how did you put your side not put your side how did you put your mind inside of the ring day in day out night in night out tell me about that mentality that it takes to step into the ring yeah, do you know what? I was, I've been listening to um, Cabana's podcast recently, Jericho's podcast, and mm-hmm. um, Edge and Christians, and they've had guests on, and they tend to like talk about their personal life and all stuff like we were doing. But you're the first guy that's ever asked somebody, like, from I can remember, like, about their in-ring style. So, oh, wow. That's something, that's something very unique. I haven't heard, heard that properly in a while. Like, I hear people say, oh, who did you watch when you, like, you were growing up with? But never actually heard someone say, like... Where do your style come from, like, um, in that sense? Um, so my style's changed a lot, like, throughout the years. Um, I started wanting to be a high flyer, so I was in love with guys like um, Ricochet and 
ACH and those guys. I was like, yeah, that's it. I'm going to do that. And especially Cedric Alexander. So um, I was like, I'm going to be just like those guys. Yeah, those guys are like in amazing shape. Um, and I'm going to be like flipping and all that stuff. And I was doing that for a while. And then I, I saw myself in Cedric. If you remember when Cedric was like in Ring of Honor, he had like a bit of a belly to him as well. He was a, a bit of a big guy. He was super athletic, and I guess it's a black thing. But like, yeah. it, it Black History Month, folks. Yeah, like, it just, it's just look at Cedric, it's amazing. He was, like, a, a fairly big guy. He was, like, 220, and just moving on. I was like, I'm going to be like Cedric. As time went on, I, like, I was just getting bigger and bigger. I, I was, like, 230, and I was like, and my, my, you know, my the people at the progress training school was like, uh, you shouldn't be doing like high flying stuff anymore. And I wasn't really happy to hear it, um, because I was really good at it in a way. Like I was, I was able to pull out some cool stuff. But as time went on, I started watching more wrestling, and then I found Japanese wrestling. I was like, I don't need to flip at all. Like I'm, a, I'm like six foot, six foot one in my boots, and um, I like hard hitting styles now. And um, I saw like Misawa versus Kenta Kabashi, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is the shit! <laughs> like, this is what I have to do now." So, um, my style switched from Cedric and those guys to Japanese wrestling, and that's the style I have now, really, where I can mix the two. So, um, when I was over in Japan, Taka called me a heavyweight showman, which was a, a thing I like now, <laughs> and I like to start using because. Um, I love connecting with an audience, but then I will beat the hell out of you as well. So I just mix the styles together. I'm like, yeah, that's me. So I found my identity in the ring. So, um, yeah, I think that we are. I found my identity in the ring now with that. So physically, you're on the, you know, Japanese strong style side, and mentally you are the, you know, high flyer. Is that what you're trying to say? Um, I would say, like, I've sort of lost the, like, in my head, I wish I could be that, but um, in reality, I know I'm not. I'll say both mentally and physically, I I am, like, Japanese wrestling through and through. But um, actually, no, I'm going to say you're sort of right. I have the mindset of, like, Mr. Perfect and Owen Hart in that sense, so I'm very much a character, like, mentally. I, I enjoy work with the crowd, and I want to... I like slowing things down, so I'm not going to be the fastest guy in the room, um, and I could have wanted to, but then physically, I can go like that, just like, just like Misawa could, and um, a lot of the New Japan guys now, like Ishii, those guys, just, they just go endlessly, they don't stop, so um, I guess I'm a mixture of two very different styles, like early WWF, you know, styles, pre-attitude era styles now mixed with this new japan style we have now so so have you seen pancrase wrestling i have seen a, a bit of it i have seen a bit of it not too much of it and so i don't know too much so i can't hold me on the conversation but i've seen bits of it all right um, are you gonna say no go on please okay so the reason why i bring that up is you know people like bass root and especially ken shamrock you know all those guys yeah. um that with that hard hitting style um you know that's something that i would check out um for all the listeners at home as well as you alex for uh you know if you're into the japanese hard or, well i almost said japanese hard style oh my gosh uh, the <laughs> japanese strong style 
um that is definitely something that i would check out those old 90s you know japanese wrestling tapes are like quite a gem if you find a good one so um just definitely check it out just a little suggestion um but i also want to ask you about british strong style that is something i've never talked about on this show um tell me about you know if you do you incorporate that into your moveset at any point the the british um style of wrestling and tell me more about that because i don't know too much about that so tell myself and the audience about the british strong style so um British Strong Style is a very new thing. Um, it's also a stable now with, uh, you know, Trent, uh, Tyler Bate, and WWE UK Champion Pete Dunne. Um, so I guess, in a way, they sort of coined the phrase as well. Um, I think it comes directly from Japanese wrestling uh, in that we hit pretty hard, we, we do things like that, and we're very snug with our strikes, and everything looks legit. And um, I think the guy that does it really well right now is Chris Ridgway. He's um, he's perfect at it. He just he makes everything look like it can kill you. Like if you guys haven't seen Chris Ridgway wrestle, then you've missed out. So progress on demand for that stuff. He just strikes on point. It's perfect. And um, British strong style, I guess, is a sort of evolution from the world of sports style as well because it's still very methodical. It's very. Um, this sort of submission map base as well, and then it becomes an absolute slugfest later on. So the world of sports style, which is how this all started, which was um, like catch a scan wrestling, which the guys like most guys who from world of sport know like Big Daddy and all those guys, but it's guys like um, Johnny Saint, um, Johnny Kidd who's still wrestling, Mick um, McManus, all those guys, old school grapplers who would take you to the floor and will just twist you and turn you inside out very similar to how drew gulak is doing stuff now at nxt and 205 live um similar to like um the entire catch point stable over and involve and other federations as well um very map based wrestling style so that's i guess evolved into british strong style but yeah it's um it's a very unique style and guys like jonathan gresham has taken bits from it as well. Sugar Dunkerton as well has taken bits. Um, of course, Gulak has. And I guess the most famous name there is Daniel Bryan, who has said multiple times that he's learned so much on the camps because the camp shows over here are phenomenal learning experiences. So we've had Kyle O'Reilly do the camps, Mike Skull has done the camps before, Colt Cabana's done the camps. A lot of guys have come over to, um, to the UK from America pretty much just spent time doing the premier promotions camps, which is a camp show I've done as well. And you sit back and you can sit back and you can watch these guys wrestle. A lot of the guys at the Ring of Honor have done those camp shows. Like Mark Haskins was doing a camp show like months before he ended up getting signed to Ring of Honor. So it's it's crazy how um, again, those camp shows which attract family shows as well, they're pure family shows. They don't know who Mark Haskins is outside of this. They just see a guy coming down and wrestling. They have no idea who he is, where he's signed to. They just came out just to watch a good old British night out, I guess, which is wrestling. So it's pretty cool. That is pretty dope to hear, uh, especially hearing about the camps. And uh, definitely want to hear more about that in the future and down the line. I want to get more details on that. Um, actually, if you don't mind sharing that now, let me know a bit more about that. So, you know, I'm not familiar um, with yeah, so British wrestling. The camps. They don't, they don't exist in, um, in in the U.S., which is really weird. So the camps is, um, we have these shows called um, 
they have these things called Butlins, if you ever had a Butlins at all. And it's pretty much a holiday resort. Like Disneyland, but a lot cheaper and not as good. <laughs> like, let's put, to put it as simply as that. We have Butlins, and Butlins have family entertainment. So they have singers come down. Like, for example, we have like, dance troops who come down. We might have like, the old singer come down, and they entertain the kids. And one of the entertainment attractions there is wrestling. So it used to be uh, all-star wrestling, which is still running today, but uh, I don't believe they do the shows at Butlins anymore. And they would put on shows and they would just have literally thousand people around a big wrestling ring and the wrestlers would go at it and the kids would be massive and they would be crazy. And they'll wrestle for about an hour and a half and that'd be it. And the kids would go back to the caravans and to the houses and that'd be that. And they'll do other stuff. So wrestling is a part of the entertainment, really. So the camp shows were a good opportunity for young wrestlers to work on crowd work so that's where i learned a lot of stuff as well so um i did the ngw camp um camps as well um very briefly but i need to do more of them as well and there was 700 people there which is massive and that was considered a bad day <laughs> what so, yeah 700 people was considered a bad day and i'm just like yo <laughs> Like, I wrestled at a show yesterday, and 200 people were, were there, and that was our biggest draw plus. And a lot of independents, like, 150 plus is a good draw. Like, it's only the super indies, like Progress and ICW, and, um, like, other promotions like that, which are drawing 300 plus. And, you know, it's, it's, it's excellent. <laughs> like, Butlins, 1,200 people in one room watching two guys wrestle. That's insane. You don't get that anywhere else. And um, there's smaller camp shows as well. So All Star still runs, Premier Promotion still runs. And they just tour the country and they just put on entertainment for the family. And it's very simple. Like, you're not going to see 630s there, but you're going to see crowd work and you're going to see excellent bridge wrestling, which is the style we all still love. So. Wow, that is really, uh, really interesting to hear. I really wish, you know, if there are any U.S. promotions out there, I know a few of you guys uh, follow the work on the show for you. If you guys are listening to the show, I beg of you, okay? I'm not even asking. I'm begging of you. Please get a camp show here. Or please do camps here because that is something that I would love to participate in on my downtime. Uh, and with that yeah, said... Yeah, like, if, if, if that's like, um, I wish, like, because... You guys don't really have, like, family resorts, I guess, um, like where families can go and, like, spend a week or so, uh, like a hotel with, like, loads of entertainment and all that stuff. Um, the closest thing I think U.S. has to it is Disneyland. I don't think Disneyland wants to bring in wrestling anytime soon. <laughs> no. Like, um, I, I would love it if, like, there was an equivalent of Butlins over in America and part of the entertainment was wrestling. Because WWE comes over and they do Butlins too. WWE live shows take place at Butlins Resorts. So they do Minehead, they do um, Skegness sometimes, and they do Bogner Regis. And it's insane. Right? <laughs> WWE is coming to like a family resort. So if um, the US wants to do any sort of form of Butlins, they, should, they have to totally have wrestling on it as well. Well, that's the thing about it. We do have a few resorts, but they're not to the extent of what I'm hearing. I mean, 
I don't think they can host a wrestling show in the middle of their lobby to the, how big the resorts are, at least from the ones that I've been to. I don't know if anybody out there, any of the hashtag loyal royal listeners of the show, you know, Great Wolf Lodge, Eagle Soaring Water Park or whatever, and that's the water park. I don't know. Either way, we need to get it over here, folks. All right. Seriously, I, I need to. I need to get more of that wrestling love. I, lo- I love I love me some wrestling. Either way, let's talk about the evolution of Alex Cupid, uh, whether that be in ring-wise. Um, uh, you know what? I'll save that other question for later. We'll get into that one later. But let's talk about the evolution, whether that be ring, you know, uh, ring uh, attire, if that's the thing. Um, you know, how you present yourself physically uh mentally like we've gotten into a bit earlier uh let me know a bit more about that um so i started out being the um the happy-go-lucky guy but i was happy to be there pretty much i was um apollo cruz and apollo cruz is one of my like all-time favorites as well so he was the guy i drew a lot of inspiration from especially when i started to put on a bit more size and um i was like i think i want to be apollo cruz so i can still flip around and stuff um i'm massive i can kill people right so um I um I was like I'm happy to be him like I was like I was like the prototypical baby face. Come on, let's go. And that was all good, but um you know as time goes on, there's nothing to you. So then, as the whole mental health stuff kicked off, I began adding more things to that and taking different things away. So always fold became a thing now. So it was on my um on my wrist, and it became more of a I'm a really like serious guy. I, I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to be there, but I'm gonna murder somebody. And it I just took and added away. So my character slowly stopped smiling and became more of a I'll smile when the match is done. <laughs> like and um that connected with people a lot more I found because they respected my work ethic rather than just me yelling, Let's go everybody and clapping. So I got the respect of the crowd more, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, especially those diehard fans. Um, and then uh, when I was wrestling for progress, I haven't done that for a while, which I should probably do. Um, it was more of a, I was in a tag team with my tag team partner, Dylan D'Angelo, and we was, I never say die, and we were pretty much back to that we're babyface style. And then as time shifted on, we became more of a, a more of my style, like, yeah, we're happy to be here, but we're also going to murder you, too. So, a big thing I started to do was chops. My chops are really loud. <laughs> like, I, I want to say my chops are, like, one of the loudest I've ever heard. Um, like, I, I, I want to say I'll, have, I'll give Fault a run for his money with how loud his chops are. So, um, it's, um, it's very, like, much, uh, hey, guys, I can legitimately murder somebody in a wrestling ring. But I'm going to smile while I'm doing it, and it's, um... I, I, my favorite thing now is to watch grown men go, Jesus, when I hit somebody pretty damn hard. And it's, um, it's a good feeling as well. Getting a reaction from somebody who's been watching wrestling for long they have been alive. <laughs> well, with that, uh, with the, the chop part, uh, bringing that into the equation, the one thing that I absolutely love and which I see it a lot in the British strong style or in uh, the Japanese strong style in which you've incorporated into your own moveset is that hard hitting style that, you know, tell me about that. Tell me about, you know, how is that 
this may sound like a simpleton question, but how is that sound created? Is that just sheer force, just you know, smacking somebody else on the uh, on the face with with your uh, shin, or is the little Shawn Michaels, you know, hip hip clap or thigh clap? Um, so I don't I don't do the whole thigh slap thing. Um, it was beaten out of me by the London School literally right. Um, so they, they were like, they, they're so, like, Greg Burrow just so anti-thigh slap, it's amazing. Um, he's, uh, he was like, stop doing that. Only save it for big moments, like a switch of music. And um, I, I just never did it. I just, I just don't do it anymore. So when I get, like, any sort of big connection, it's just pure me hitting somebody. And um, I'm not unsafe at all, ever. Like, I don't hurt my opponent, ever. Um, I'm actually, like... I think I'm really good at making things look convincing now to the point where people think I'm actually hurting somebody, but I'm not. So, um, like, I'll tell you a little story, which is quite fun. I had an incident at a show where I was wrestling with one of my closest friends, and we had a match, and it was really fun. And the owners of Progress were there as well. And we wrestled the match, everything was all right. And all of a sudden on Twitter, I see people, like, like you know, indirectly tweeting about somebody, and being, like, being really stiff with their opponent and all that stuff. Little do I know that they're talking about me. <laughs> and, oh. um, yeah, it was, it was pretty surreal. It was pretty, um, it was pretty bad at the time. But uh, it was like, you know, like, I got like a few death threats from it. It was pretty damn bad. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Wait, this was yeah, from... Was who made the indirect tweet? The the owners from Progress yeah. or... Uh... No, no, not the owners of Progress. Definitely not. They were there. Okay. They were there enjoying the show. They loved it. I'll get to the where, where they come in later. All there right. Somebody who wasn't at the show. Okay. And, um, from what we gather, we think it's just someone who, um, who well, from what I know now, it's someone that doesn't like me. But they spread that around about me. So there's a bit of an aura about me being unsafe, which is quite, quite funny. So when I face people now, they go, you're really light, you don't even hit me. I'm like, yeah, dude, it's called um, practicing a lot, you know? <laughs> like, getting good at something to the point where the fans think I'm killing you, but you're perfectly fine. So, um, my favorite achievement is um, managing to completely work a few other wrestlers who are <laughs> making like everything go wild in that sense for a few hours. And the best thing about it was um, I messaged the owners of Progress and they were like, "Yo, that you know, you didn't do a single thing wrong." And I had a I had a big moment of like I just I, I could breathe, you know, <laughs> like right. Because my opponent was so, was so happy with it. It was like one of his like best matches, one of my best matches. So. That moment got taken away from me in a, in a sense because I was more worried about like how people view me rather than if people hate me now or whatever than enjoying it. And um, the one year anniversary that happened, like the one year anniversary that was like a week ago, and now I'm laughing about it because I'm still doing the very similar style and um, I've gotten so much success from it now <laughs> to the point where I'm afraid to evolve it. So I'm ready to add more character work. So I'm ready to do more of it. So um, in a way, I'm actually happy that all that stuff happened. Like, I've had a few negative run-ins with people in wrestling, and I'm happy for each and every one of those moments because, um, like, like, like you may know, a negative thing could become positive. Like, having a moment of failure is what plants the seeds for success. Oh, so yeah. If you fail the first time, you get back up, you try it again, and you learn from those mistakes. And if somebody like tries to beat you down, you get back up and you show them by being the best version of yourself. And that's what I've done. So I've become better mentally, I've become better physically, 
and I'm in the best shape of my life right now. Like for the first time, I took a promo picture yesterday. I was like, wow, abs are starting to happen here. <laughs> oh boy, watch out, folks. Yeah, I was like, damn, like Jason Jordan coming for you, man. You better get back. Oh my <laughs> god, you hear that, Jason? You hear that? Yeah, you hear I that? Like, I was like, I was all, I was ready for this, man. I was like, damn, like, look at that. Imagine what happens when you start eating while I'm putting effort into yourself. I was like, cool, I'm gonna start doing this more, you know? And, um,. From that, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep pushing and I'm going to get into like, the best shape possible for this. So, um, yeah, my advice to anybody who's like going through any sort of issues, actually, is to keep pushing forward and to use those bad times, like a bad breakup, uh, like an argument with somebody as the launching pad for something even better. That's what I always say. Use it as something even better. Yeah, I, uh, I think a lot of us can definitely use that... Uh that breakup analogy and using all the negative energy from just anything in life uh, and using that towards something great. Now, speaking of negativity, was that the Twitter story? Um, the Twitter story? The t- uh, about you not being on Twitter as... Oh, yeah, yeah. So that leads into it. So, like, I, I go on Twitter. I'm, I might just cut this bit out and put it on my Instagram story because people ask where am I on Twitter. I still am on Twitter. I am on Twitter. You can follow me if you want. I won't be on there properly. Um, I go on Twitter, and I, I used to go on there every single day and look at look at all the time on my phone. And it's a really negative place, man. Like, oh gosh. Um, <laughs> like yeah, like, see, there we go. Like your reaction. Oh god. Like, <laughs> like you know, if the guy, if Truman here with the best name in the world is saying oh gosh to it, then something's wrong. Thank you, um, thank you. Take wrestling out of it, and you have political Twitter, which is people in echo chambers talking about their own thing and. When they don't get their own, when they don't want to argue about something, they're like shouting abuse over somebody. They're trying to like hack into their account. They're leaking pictures. It's it's crazy. The wrestling is in the mix now, and you have the most toxic community I've ever seen in my life. Like we have wrestling fans arguing with other wrestling fans about about if they're more fans of this person than ever. They have um other female fans calling female wrestlers ring rats. It's like oh god, it's it's a cringy world there, man. And you see people in like seeing middle-aged men tweet indirectly about other middle-aged men is both entertaining but also a bit sad because you think that these guys will stand up and talk to each other, right? No. And I just got fed up with it. I'm just like, yo, um, after being tweeted about endlessly for a week and a half, I'm still on here. <laughs> like, I'm doing myself a disservice. So um, my first thing I did, which was in December 2018, I said to myself, I'm done with Twitter. I'm not going to tweet anything out anymore. I'm not going to even post merchandise or post videos. No, nothing. Because it's not done anything for me positively. It's just... I'm just watching trouble. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's like a bad, it's like going back to an ex-girlfriend, right? Like, you know, going back to a bad ex-girlfriend, you know? Like someone who's terrible for you. You're just like, why? It's like, oh, uh, no. So and, I just said, I'm done with it. And, and that's the thing about it. I just, the reason why I was like, oh my gosh, is because the, I just had this discussion today, um, especially trying to create my, and, you know, connect with my fans on both Instagram and Twitter, I'm not a Facebook user. Um, the one thing I can say is I feel like 
as a culture and as people, we've begun to gravitate towards nortivity, negativity, and I am guilty of that. And I feel like, you know, as recently, I'm like, I can't do this anymore as well. Um, I've tried to, you know, get off Twitter a lot more. Anybody out there, if you are, you know, dealing with anybody on Twitter that is just completely toxic for your life, I suggest for you, and if you are even, you know, so any signs of being obsessed with social media, um, I suggest you get off of Twitter. That's like the first stop to get off of. I went back, you know, uh, Instagram is a lot less negative. Uh, there are some negative people on everywhere on social media. That's just how the world yeah, works. Have you seen um, Black Wrestling Alliance on, on Twitter? Oh, I'm yeah, on big time. On Instagram. So, great dude. I, I'm like, I'm, I've probably run into him multiple times, but, you know, which is strange because I'm going to say it right now. Man, you don't see enough black wrestling fans on Green British shows. Oh my! So he was taking like, he was taking like a fuck up. So like, um, I saw him a picture of um with, with Roy Johnson. I'll get to Roy Johnson in a minute as well. Um, it's just like that guy. I didn't appreciate his work when I first started wrestling. I had the mindset, we don't need this man. Black people don't need a wrestling Twitter account, man. Like, uh, we're equal now. No, 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 no. Have a bit of a mindset, man. People like because um, he's not even showing. He's not showing. I'm gonna cut this out as well. He's not even showing people what Black Rest is doing now. He's showing our history, and people don't know our history too well. So um, I'm a big fan of Dealer Brown. When he was showing Dealer Brown love, I was like, that's why I love this page. When he was promoting guys who are up and coming today, like Sugar Dunkerton, I was like, this is why I like this page because some people generally don't know. And a lot of, I've seen people complain about the lack of black wrestlers on certain um, television shows and in different wrestling products. Well, he's showing people who's out there. And he put guys like Warren Banks, Roy Johnson, Sugar Dungerton, Darius Lockhart, people like that. And he's going, yo, black wrestlers out here. Take a look. And people are following that page and going, oh, okay, I see these guys. It's giving exposure that we probably wouldn't have, and it's great. I, I, I didn't really get it at first, but now I'm so 100% behind it. It's nuts. Oh, yeah. Black Wrestling Alliance, awesome page to go follow anybody out there. Uh, I definitely suggest you go follow them. I follow them on a regular basis. I like their posts on a regular basis. Um, recent, they recently had an interview with uh, Brandy Rose, which that's awesome. Again, yeah. hashtag black excellence uh, with what Brandy Rose is yeah, doing. Yeah, not- like, damn straight. Like, it's, it's one of the. Like, it's, it's becoming more prevalent of an issue now, like racism and things like that in general. Like, we just. Um, we just well, we just mourned the uh, anniversary of Trayvon Martin recently, and I posted something about it on my Instagram story, and someone said, eh, so it's like, you know, like, someone asked me, like, why am I posting stuff about racism? Like, like it's, a, it's a bit of a sore issue, and um, I, I sometimes get accused of posting too much about mental health and racism and racism and all that stuff, and I say, I just said, like, my answer to it was simple. Um, you wouldn't understand properly because you've never been in a situation where your skin color affects your well-being. That I, I remember the story of Trayvon Martin so well because I couldn't believe it, so I thought people were lying. And then the truth is, point blank, this guy followed a black kid for a while, pulled up to him, got in a fight with this black kid, and then shot the black kid for legitimately no reason. And he got away with it. And now he's trying to be a celebrity. <laughs> and I just see that, I'm just like, this is the issue I have. And this guy has, um, what's the flag name? The Confederate. Conf- a 
he's signing things, he's trying to sell the gun he shot the kid with, and it's just, we're letting this happen. That's I'm sickening. Like, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, like, um, he, he's, like, the guy's a piece of crap, man. Like, the guy is the worst human being possible. Like, and he got away with that, and he's giving, like, he's just being, he's living his life, and um, Trayvon had his life cut short, and loads of black young men had their lives cut short by by police, by racist attacks. And over here in the UK, we have this thing called Brexit going on. We might leave the European Union. The minute the bill was passed, hate crimes went up by 25%. Wow. One day. One day difference. That's crazy. And it's crazy, right? My only history of racial abuse has come from other black people. Yes! <laughs> so <laughs> there we go, right? There we go. Okay, you've experienced that. I yeah. I was like, okay, like, like, no, like, um, so, like, oh, you're not black enough. Like, um, my, like, um, most of the girls I've dated is, is, are, are white, and I get accused of, like, not loving my own race. Yes. Like, oh, my God. Okay, like, um, there's so many issues with that. Like, yeah. Um, I, I just, man, for the first time ever, I felt racially profiled. And I was like, I get it now. And I had the flashback of everything from our past. I was like, I get it now. And when I hear certain people say, why well, about I fucking play my racism? Like, it was so long ago. Slavery was such a long time ago. What? Such a long time ago. And I'm like, yo, um, I can guarantee, because like, if you're talking to a 20-year-old 20, a 20 guy, your grandmother or your mother was alive during the civil rights period. That wasn't long ago, man. That was less than 60 years ago. And think about it. Apartheid in Africa was less than 20 years ago. So, How crazy is that? Yeah. My my brother's like 30s, like early 30s. He wasn't wasn't like a... It's crazy. We we were segregating people. And uh, um, it came up uh, yesterday. the, The first, like, the girl that desegregated schools is only like early 60s. It's... I, I really? <laughs> it wasn't a long time ago, man. Like it, it, it's still here. It's still here. And, and you know, even being a, and I've embraced it on my social media. Um, you know, because I'm at the point in my life where I'm embracing. You know, and I'm putting aside what society has told me not to embrace about myself. Being a young African American male, um, you know, I've embraced it. But the one thing that I can say is. Uh, it's a bit awkward in some cases to have these conversations because of the way people will take it, you know, whether it's from people of your own race or people that are yeah. not a part of your race, um, that are not, you know, and, that, and that's the other thing about it, you know, we don't know how to have these conversations and that can be very difficult. And with that said, I like to know about, you know, have you had any, you know, you know, bad racial encounters in the workplace of professional wrestling? Um, you know, I have not heard, of, I've heard of very few, um, it's just not talked about a lot. Yeah, because, yeah, um, so, like, um, how old are you, by the way? I'm 16. So, yeah, I had a feeling that you were, like, 16, so, I don't know if you ever experienced racism or any sort of bullying ever. You don't want to talk about it, right? Right. It's one of the things you don't ever really want to talk about, because you sound weak, and it might just encourage more, so... I remember when I was first being bullied in primary school for the whole not being black enough thing. And again, in primary school, right, we're so, like, this is so, so this is elementary school. So young, yet knowing what a black person should be. Really weird. And um, 
I complained about it and it happened even more. So that scares people. So when people get bullied in uh, middle school, higher and like any form of education, uh, they get told off pretty much for complaining about it. So if they say, I'm being bullied, the teacher goes, hey, stop bullying this kid. Right. <laughs> it just goes, yeah. So like, it's just, oh God. So it just becomes worse. So that's transpired into the workplace and in wrestling. You wouldn't want to talk about it, right? Because the worst thing that can happen is, I know it happened to, um, to the actress Monique and she like spoke out about racism or whatever. And I haven't seen her in a single thing since. Because what happens is you get blackballed. Wrestlers get blackballed all the time for different reasons. So if they talk about being racially abused by somebody and that guy's of significant fame, you know, what's going to happen? They're not going to listen to you. They're going to blackball you. You're not going to work ever again. Now, it happens in acting. It happens in comedy. It happens everywhere. Now, with the emergence of AEW, which has, you know, come very open about being, you know, equal, and with the black signees and a people of different backgrounds um, that have signed so yeah. far to AEW, you know, not as been too many signings, but from what we've seen so far, it's not very diverse, but it's, you know, we're slowly building up the roster, still have some time to go. Yeah. But we have, you know, a, uh, a black woman that is in charge um, being Brandy Rhodes. Damn, damn right. It's, uh, um, it's, inc- it's incredible. Like, do you know what's really good about it? Those signings, especially Nyla Rose, they won't sign and go, hey, you're transgender. You are the transgender face of AEW. <laughs> no, they did it on the sly like everybody else because that's how the movement is. So black people, when they're fighting for, we're not fighting to be better than you, we're fighting to be treated the same as you. When uh, a transgender person, like um, in the LGBT community, transgender person just wants to be treated the same as any other human being so when they announced these people they didn't announce them as we're signing a black person love us no they signed them as a professional wrestler and that's what i want more of i think that's my only issue with wwe like they'll be like yo black history month yay but we're not gonna like that's it that's it there's not enough like they're celebrating it but like why don't you there's an obvious issue with the fan base and black wrestlers at the moment where the fans want to see more black wrestlers in prominent positions right so they, they discuss this quite a bit they promote black history month but then like it feels like they're not really listening to the audience and then it's always a bit of an argument about whether w's a racist company no they're not a racist company it's just there's loads of people to get opportunities and there's not enough opportunities i guess right so then AEW comes about so it's more, it's just things are happening, right? Right, and I, I completely agree. And um, and that's the thing about it, growing up as a black wrestling fan, it can be quite tough when, you know, a lot of your role models um, are either, you know, white or, you know, something else. You don't have anybody or some, not something else, someone else. Um, that's the thing about it. We have to always yeah. look, we have to look at each other as equal and as humans, not as, you know, objects or as entertainers. You are entertainers, but you're also human as well. Um, more on that in another episode. But um, either way, um, not seeing too many people that, you know, you can look up to and say, wow, they're like me. You know, they're like yeah, me. That's the important thing. Like, it's not even like racism or anything like that. It's having people that you could admire and look up to. So, for example, like one of the, like one of the, like my thing is, have you ever seen NXT UK? 
uh, I've only seen the liver Blackpool, or I've only seen a snippet of the pay per views. I've not seen yeah. a lot of it. So, so like, there's um, there's, uh, ethnic wrestlers. There's like three ethnic wrestlers in total. There's one black wrestler. He's Ashton Smith. He's a phenomenal talent. My, so the do you know Roy Johnson, the British wrestler over here? Yes. So he is. Um, I'm gonna like make sure he has this. He is, for me, I'm gonna say it. The probably the best wrestler in the country. That isn't signed. <laughs> and it's people are gonna be like, what are you on about me? The guy is just about six foot. He is, it doesn't even matter if he's black. He's in, he's jacked. <laughs> he can wrestle, because I wrestled with him yesterday. He can wrestle phenomenally, put on excellent matches, can be relied upon, is punctual, is very respectful, and is the only person, by HC Dye, who I don't believe is wrestling anymore, who isn't signed to a WWE NXT contract from the UK Division Tournament and all that stuff. What? Whenever I see him, He's the only guy that isn't signed to WWE NXT UK, and he should be. I'm hoping. Like, I'm just like, whoa. And I get really confused by it because I'm like, whenever I see him, I get distracted because I, all I can see is like a banner above his head that says, why aren't you signed yet? Because <laughs> mm. <laughs> literally, literally, like, I struggle to talk to him because I'm just looking at him. Why am I talking to you right now? Why are you at Sacrifice Pro? You should probably be at the Performance Center. Like, because legitimately he's ridiculously talented in my eyes and he's gonna be like oh are you saying this but it's damn true and I'm just like he should be everywhere as an independent wrestler but also in NXT UK because how how is he not signed <laughs> this is my biggest pet beef like I don't care about anything else I'm just wondering how that guy is inside because when I saw him here's a, here's a thing I, I love I watched the NXT UK tournament with my mum in our house last year, the, f- the first ever one. And it's Roy Johnson versus Pete on the first round. I knew Roy Johnson was going to lose, okay? I already knew, but my mom didn't. And even then, me and my mom are jumping up and down when Roy Johnson hits finish on Pete Dunne. We're going crazy. Why? That's a black young man, and that's the inspiration for me. And that's my mom going, what's my mom seeing somebody who's, like, her, she's fought racism. That's a guy breaking a barrier right there as well. And he just hit the guy, the, the guy, Pete Dunn with his finish. And when he kicked out, we were so deflated, we were so upset. Like, it was a moment. It was a moment that me and my mom can share. It was crazy, right? Like, and it's just Roy Johnson, right? Like, like uh, I know the guy, I can mess with him on him. And, like, it's, it's just stupid. <laughs> like, it's just how he isn't signed. And, um, yeah, I'm shocked. I'm still shocked. And that's the th- that I mean, it's the good slash bad thing about wrestling these days is we're moving in a revolution um, for those that have been marginalized, whether that be, you know, we're getting into the groove of the uh, women's uh, revolution. I can't wait to see the multicultural revolution, those that um, have been, you know, um, put to the side due to their race, whether you are, you know, black brown whatever you are blue green yellow yeah. uh, the I, I orange think started, i think i think it started about a year ago and um i think that what's happening now is it's going to continue but it's going to have to happen it can't be like we're pushing a black guy yay it has to be we're pushing a really talented wrestler so again as i was saying like roy johnson's a really talented wrestler he should be signed he should be with everybody else at the performance center um Guys like Shane Taylor, who I had the pleasure of meeting and he stayed at my house when he was over here for Ref Pro, he, he's 
our statement. That's this whole thing, similar to what I'm doing now over here. Yeah. And um, but he's a lot better, and he had the New Japan USA show, and I'm hearing that he did super well, and he's just very vocal about who he is as a person. He's very proud, and he's giving he's been given opportunities because he's very talented. So yeah. Darius Lockhart, who's coming back over here in a few, in like a week, um, to be staying with me as well. And he's just been, every opportunity he's been given, he's taken it and he's run with it. So PWX, I know about PWX because of Darius Lockhart. Because he's putting that company on the map for people over here. And that's incredible. So much Sugar Dunkerton. I've been watching that guy since well before he came over here. He, he was just the standout of freelance wrestling. And I was like, I have to meet this guy one day. And I've met him, and I'm friends with the guy. That's crazy, because he's a strong black role model. So I think it has to be a natural thing that we do. I don't want it to be, look, we're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing the Negroes. I, I don't want it to be like that. I want it You're to right. be more like we're pushing a talented wrestler, give him the ball. Right. And yeah, I think it's, um, it's important that that, that happens. And that's, I'm glad you talked about that, especially Shane. I've had him on the show, had him on the show quite recently, I believe about uh, a month or so back. And he was expressing how um, we're viewed in wrestling as, you know, uh, the we have these certain stereotypes that we fit, the quote-unquote gangsta and all this other stuff exactly, that we're exactly. fit into. And he wants to show... You know that you can be the black educated man, or you can, you know, yeah, you don't have to do this. That's perfectly spot on. He's he's a very intelligent man, um, and like that's a very that's very similar to what I want to do. Like um, he, he breaks the ceiling. Guys like me will find it a lot easier to traverse the world of wrestling without having to be told, "Oh yeah, can you be a gangster?" Or like, "Oh yeah, like do this." Like one of my first shows, um, <laughs> the guy isn't racist. He's just old and has his set ways. He looked at me and Dylan, and it's the camp show as well. And it was in a very white area called uh, Fabersham, I think it was. And he looks at us, and this is how Never Say That was born. He looks at us and said, You two, <laughs> you're black, you're from Jamaica, neither of us are from Jamaica. What? You two, yeah, yeah, you two, you're gonna, you can't do me, the reggae boys, we'll call you guys the reggae boys. And uh, that was how we were, we were formed as a team. And we were the reggae boys for like two or three shows until uh, Jump and Progress went. That is not acceptable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, like Joe was like, no, you like, like we literally went, yeah, we're the reggae boys. Or like, he's like, no, come up with a name, a good name, okay? Yeah. Like, that's not acceptable. It's like, oh, John Bradley, oh, you killed John. I realized, yeah, he's right. We're laughing about it, but he's so right. <laughs> like, um, and uh, I think John, um, very early, it's twice now John saved my wrestling career. So hey. Kudos. Um, it's just like I uh, I just go. Um, we need a new name, and I'm on my phone, and I'm I literally say, I'm gonna type in, I'm gonna press the middle button. Whatever names come up, it's gonna be a tag team name as a joke. And I type it, and it goes never say die. I'm like, yeah, cool, tag team done. And um, yeah, it's a good little thing we have going, and it's spawned from a not he was again he's not racist he's definitely not racist if spawned from an old ideology that evolved so uh, i'm really happy with the way that came about and and that's definitely a good story to hear about a misunderstanding 
Um, and uh, catching up with the times, especially uh, in the sport, or not just the sport, just in life in general, because you do encounter people like that, and then you, you come to find out, you get to know them, like, okay, they're, they're not racist, they just have their old ways, uh, and I think that with progressing, especially, you know, being an older sibling, um, seeing my youngest one, uh, seeing their generation, I, I doubt, and I, I hope, you know, racism will, sadly, um, I hope it will die one day, but racism, discrimination, all of that, all, everything, no matter if you're, you know, black, LGBTQ+, plus, a woman, whatever, if you bring marginalized in society, I really hope it comes to a, a, an end or at least diminished tremendously. But I feel like the future is bright for, you know, uh, tackling that issue and tackling those issues, Definitely. especially in wrestling. Um, and with the way that that's moving, I think some other sports definitely have some time to catch up with wrestling, though. I think wrestling yeah, is one of those very, very so. progressive sports. But wrestling is, um, like, the community, to its detriment and to its benefit, is um, very, 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 like, people call it left. I just call it overly caring. <laughs> so, yeah. um, they, 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 like, I see a lot of, like, the British wrestling fans, they talk a lot about sexuality and diversity in wrestling. And, um, you know, I, I can just say, um, I'll link her in this as well. Like, um, there's a, a lovely um, band called Penny, and she's really, like, she cares a lot about, um, like, professional wrestlers, and she just, like, she, um, like, she just looks out, and she's just literally an ally. She's she's white, and she's bubbly, and she just has fun at wrestling shows. Um, but she's an ally, so, um, you know, she's very vocal about things not being right in wrestling so we had a few issues earlier on with some fans with um, disability in wrestling so like some of the venues weren't fully accessible and she just took the mantle and she was like yeah make this venue accessible and like looking back I thought that's really annoying but now I see her and go yo like, you, you, you want your friends to be able to enjoy wrestling too and she just wants her friends to be able to enjoy wrestling as well and um, now for the most part lots of venues are accessible and like that's the thing that's happened so lots of wrestling fans are really vocal and i love it i absolutely love it now but then of course it has this detriment has a bad side because the vocal fans some of them are pretty mean too oh yeah like some of them some of them are some of them are those old guys but are outwardly spoken so um you know like i i have a feeling i i'm gonna have a pretty big opportunity soon and um i have a feeling a few people are gonna say it's because i'm black i'm like great and um I just have the feeling that people are going to say that. And I have a feeling that as time goes on, throughout this year, I'm going to get big opportunities and I know I'm going to do well because I'm be training for it. I have a feeling that people are going to say it's because he's black, because these people are still stuck in their old ways. And I'm just like, oh, great. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just, as time goes on, people are going to wake up and realize, oh, we're idiots. And people are gonna learn. Like social media for me, I've left Twitter because nobody's forgiven on Twitter. Oh and yeah. I always think that people should be forgiven. Like and if somebody tweets something that's wrong or phrased wrong or says something offensive, I think that it should just be there should be a period where I, I, I don't like the idea of people hounding this person and like saying offensive things to them and just being like rude to them. And just think, nah, educate the person, man. Like. It's one of the things I do. Like, I, I have friends who have stereotypes of black people that aren't true. And, um, like, my, like, 
I love it. Like, my ex-girlfriend, like, her, her parents were very, like, yeah, what, like, you, you must listen to all the rap music in the world. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> but I educate them, right? And then, like, me, like, me and the dad both like Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> like, the most, like, the stupidest thing to be have in common, right? Because Bruce Springsteen's meant to be a very white artist. No, like, educate people rather than humiliate them i guess and that's the thing about it before we go on to break um is especially being a wrestling fan and playing the games in the early 2000s and a sister that was quite into the emo bands i am and i was listening to papa roach last night so that tells you you know people have their have their thoughts on that but you know uh it feels it, it took me a long time to really be happy about you know the things that i like that are considered to be quote-unquote white whether that be in yeah, wrestling right. wrestling itself um music and all of that and you know it's like you know music is music wrestling is wrestling skateboarding is skateboarding cycling is cycling it, it should be no discriminatory boundaries with that you know that's yeah like um i hate the idea that there's like oh this is what black people do this is what white people do I'm like, ah, oh, God. I love racist jokes. I make them all the time. Yeah. But I hate, I hate, I hate legitimate racist boundaries. So, you know, again, like, I'm, I, I love my, my rock band. I'm very much into rock music. Um, I'm very much into spoken word stuff. Uh, and I, I listen to, um, to Joe Rogan and lots of white comedians a lot and all that stuff as well. And, um, a lot of people around me go, you're so white. It's crazy. I'm like, oh, I guess, yeah, sure. <laughs> but like, I feel like it's in a way it's like black people are boxing themselves in. Like, yo, you're free to explore this stuff, man. You don't have to be what they tell you to be. And, yeah. and who are these people anyway? Who are these people setting these rules for you, man? Explore. Explore, man. Explore and enjoy the world. Don't be stuck in a little box. Enjoy it. Yeah, that's uh, something I definitely, definitely would, you know, not would want to hear, but uh, went to a Fozzie concert this summer. And seeing Chris Jericho up close, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Only thing was, I was like one of only two black people in the entire venue. So it was a bit, for me, it was a, it took me a while to really step out and really let myself, you know, be free because of what society has put, you know, a label on um, as saying, you know, you can do this and you can't do that. It's I, I, told, I, I do get that, man. I, I, I get that. Like, um, I didn't realize how little, because um, the, the issue is, is that, with wrestling and racism and all, and wrestling and race in general, there's not a lot of black wrestlers like in, in the UK. There's not there's not too many. Um, there's a, 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 a good amount, but I don't think people will be able to name them all. That's where Black Wrestling Alliance comes in. That's why I like the page because um, we're like, dotted around the country. So there's Kane Thomas up north. There's Warren Banks um, and like Morgan Black. These are the guys I couldn't think of naming. There's Roy Johnson, there's Anthony Mafia, there's Dylan, there's myself. Um, there's like, uh, there's Darice, who's uh, in the Birmingham area, there's Amari. And here's a problem. I can list up, I can make a little list of black people. I can't do it with white wrestlers because there's so many of them. <laughs> like, like they're, they're, they're dime a dozen. They're, they're, they're so common, right? Because, again, the, the moderate... Uh, the overall, there's a majority, there's a majority race, and the majority of people in the country are white people. 
So it's easy. It's easy to have loads of white wrestlers. So it's hard to not, in a way, try to purposefully book black wrestlers. It's really difficult to balance it. So I, I, I don't want to be a wrestling promoter for that reason because you have to cater to so many different demographics. Sometimes you just want to book a good card. And when you book a good card, you might it might not have a black wrestler on it because at the time there might not be a black wrestler available. <laughs> like So like there's certain things that just happen. And that's why I'm saying like it has to be natural. So I think as time goes on, lots of black wrestlers are shining now. They're going to be the, the top stars in the country. Like the OJMO, for example, is going to be a top star, no doubt. Roy Johnson is already a top star. It's going to be like they're happening now. These guys are going to be all up and down the country, like CCKR, like Marty Scarlett, like Zack Sabre Jr., like Jimmy Havoc. It's just uh, giving it time and no barriers can stop us. And that's what these guys are promoting whether they like it or not. These guys are promoting and breaking barriers. So if one of us become the first WWE champion, we've broken a barrier, whether we meant it or not. So um, we're all doing good out there. Definitely. Well, we got to continue breaking barriers in this great sport we call wrestling. And, folks, I hope you let that marinate on for another 10 seconds because we are going to the commercial break. Oh, well, not commercial break because there's no commercials, but the, the little break with the little music in the background. We'll be right back to the show, folks. Sit tight and uh, enjoy the ride. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that little music that uh, that played. Hopefully that was not cringy, guys. Um, either way, that play between that little break segment had to give the mic, had to give the the uh, give you guys a little break in between that. Either way, we're getting into the closing part of the show, um, and having Alex on here has been quite a pleasure. And I want to get into more uh, with... Uh, we, we've talked about breaking boundaries in wrestling. I want to talk about the future of Alex Cupid. But one thing I do want to ask you uh, is about your mom. Um, again, right. like I like I told you, but when we were doing the break, and like you said, we're quite similar. Um, mother, you know, my although I love my you know father, I love my mother. Both divorced. So we kind of have sort of, not exactly, but I can understand the mom working hard to make sure that her family has what they have. Now, I know your mother has to be proud of you on what you're doing now. Tell me about your mother. Um, She's um, my biggest supporter, but she doesn't like to show it. So she's very much like... She's very stern in a way. Like, uh, if I get a bit lazy with things, she'll be the first person to be like, yo, what are you doing? But she's also um, unintentionally very gentle. So in a way, she's trying to be like very like hard on and strict to me, but it doesn't really work. She's um, she's very, very proud of me, I guess. And she wants to see me do really well. So um, she's given, like, again, I don't come from a mega rich family. Like, um, everything I do in a way so I can have a, a, better, a better life in a way so I, I don't have a lot of money to my name I'm not a rich guy at all I don't come from a rich family either and um, my mom's had like very good jobs but she's uh, like she's fallen hard times with um, illness like she hurt herself at work uh, back in 2001 
and she'd never really been the same since. And she had a very high-paying job as well. And when you, like, I was going to a really good school, like, uh, in central London, like, Westminster area, and when she hurt her back, um, my life changed. So my mom worked desperately hard. She put my sister and my brother through um, private schools, through private education, <laughs> like, because she wanted the very best for them. Like, it was just bad. She didn't care. She would, like, she would pay the money, get the best education possible. And uh, the minute she hurt her back, I was in elementary school, and that all changed. So I had to leave that school. I went to a school close to home because she was able to drive and things along those lines. And um, that's when I first started to encounter, like, a bit of bullying and all that stuff because... Um, in my youth, I was very well spoken, <laughs> and I had um, a very like strong white British accent because of the people I was around, and I still have it now in a way as well. So um, it was very daunting, and she was there for me for all of that stuff. And when it comes to mental health, she didn't understand at all. But when she found out what was wrong with me, I've never seen somebody research quicker. <laughs> she researched everything. It was um, and she's always there you know she's always there and when i've had trouble in wrestling for example like the whole twitter fiasco and all that stuff like she was like i don't want to tell her but she was like yo you've got to deal with this the right way so um she helped me with that as well and yeah having someone that supportive of you is is incredible like i think we don't value we value um my biggest criticism of, of humanity in general sometimes that we forget the people that invested in us when they didn't have to. And uh, my mom is definitely one of those people. So if you're out there and you're not investing in, you're not reinvesting in your parents when they've given you a lot, um, give them some time. Like, just give them some, some time from your day because all they want to do is see you do well. All they want to do is be, is they want a reason to be proud of you. So give them one. Um, and that's why I always say, I just say, like, I'm doing this so not so my mom's proud of me because she always will be. I'm doing this so I could pay my mom's bills, so I could give my mom the best health possible, so I can do everything and everything. Like, I want to be able to just have my mom sit back and relax. <laughs> so um, that's my goal. I don't even care about myself that much, man. Like, <laughs> I don't care. I, I will live. I will, like, I will live in a couple box if not my mom could sit back and relax. So... I don't say this too often, but I'm saying it now. So, yeah. Well, that's awesome. You hear that, Mama Cupid? Your son loves you, okay? This is coming from the guy that's, like, thousands of miles away and that's talking to your son for the first time. Your son loves you, and it's very apparent. I'm quite sure the hashtag loyal, royal listeners of the show uh, definitely can agree with that, um, with that family love and that support. Um and speaking of that, I think, you know, support definitely transcends into wrestling um, when it comes to the fan base along with the performers. Now, tell me about your connection with the fans. Um, my connection with my fans is special because um, they're the ones who like high in there because uh, I, I was at the, I, again, I went for a period of like being very new still and in like my, like the middle of my second year. I broke out onto, onto progress with Dylan. We wrestled um, Gibson and Drake, who are now the WWE UK Tag Team Champions. 
in their first match of a tag team. We've um, like we've worked with like the very best, like we worked with some pretty like, good like tag teams, but not really like properly. Not, I don't feel like we were given the proper shot, and I feel like we're gonna get one. We're gonna we're gonna work to get one soon, and or I'm gonna work to get one because uh, I know that I can hang in progress wrestling. But we got the opportunity. Then we wrestled for Rev Pro, then we wrestled for IPW very quickly, and um, we were very new at the time. So we got fans real quick, but then we lost them real quick because it weren't really brought back to us promotions. So we haven't been in progress for a while. And um, my goal is to sort of get back there to show that I belong there, but to show that I belong on the highest, the highest possible like independent promotions. Because I know I, I know I can be there. I know I can hang with the very best in this country. Um, and it's not me being cocky. It's just me having faith in myself and if you don't like everyone has to have faith in themselves like if if anyone listens to this and they take us arrogance then how insecure are you like have faith in yourself that you can do something incredible like i know that on my best day i can hang with the best i'm not staying on the best i can keep up with them so um i guess like when i think about it we lost those fans because we weren't in those places again but then some people kept on and they hung on. They were like, yo, we're back in this. And when I like debuted a t-shirt in collaboration with Young Minds, it got a load of reception. <laughs> like, I was surprised. And these guys, um, we, we raised like 200 pounds for the, um, for the promotion. Uh, Glenn Joseph uh, wrote a check for 150 pounds to, 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 um, to Young Minds. We, we, we earned a lot. Sacrifice Pro, the place I wrestled yesterday, we do shows purely for charity. Um, we made a hundred and so pounds for Young Minds as well. And it's that connection there which made me have a core strong fan base of like uh, like of just caring people. Like <laughs> I'd rather have a small fan base of caring low fans rather than have loads that don't really care about me or where I'm going. So um yeah, I, I have amazing fans who are just ridiculously supportive of what I do. That is great to hear, and uh, hearing about you know the fan base and how they support you. Um, I'd like to talk about you as we head to the closing part of this awesome, uh, very extended interview, which um, I was not expecting this, but this is something that I'd like to keep up with. I like it a lot. It was it was good in depth. I think we got a lot, um, but I like to talk about where, what do you want for yourself, um, whether that be in life. In wrestling, what do you want for yourself? I think we get too caught up in what we want to do and show for others. Um, yeah, definitely. What do you want for yourself? Um, so I'm in my room now. I'm just looking at the. So I've wrestled. For, I wrestled in Japan with Kai and Tai Dojo, and I have two posts in my room. One is of Taka's Takamichinoku's 25th anniversary show, and the other one is my final show in Japan, which was the biggest I've ever done. It was at the Grand Slam in uh, the TKP Arena, which is like um, it's like as big as Corican Hall, but two sets below as prestigious. So it's prestigious, but not as big as Corican Hall. And I'm looking at this person like, that's cool and all, but imagine if you could aspire somebody to be the strongest version of themselves. <laughs> that's a lot better. So my goal in wrestling is to um, be the best version of myself, but also inspire people to be the strongest version of themselves as well. Because I know that I've helped people mentally, 
and I've helped people improve their lives, and that's scary because I'm a jackass. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like the idea of um, someone going, Alex, you, you saved like you saved my life. When someone said that to me, um, uh, a progress show, like the last one we did, I pretty much was nearly done. I nearly just like, <laughs> I nearly flew out of the building. <laughs> like it was, it was, um, it was that surreal. So um, I want to do that. I want to be that. I want to be the best version that I can be. Because like, as I said at the very beginning of the show, being a professional wrestler in my eyes isn't being the world's greatest wrestler. It's being an ambassador for what you believe in and like for what you believe deserves your time. So John Cena, make a wish. It's me and mental health. It's me and promoting something that people didn't want to talk about. And we're, I'm making it. I want to make it a popular thing to discuss. And not to discuss, but discuss and eradicate the stigma behind it. So it's open to discuss my feeling down, depressed, and anxious. So um, my goal as a wrestler is to just spread the word of mental health and positivity and being the best I could be. And that's, uh, yeah, as I'm saying it now, I realize how important it is for me to keep doing this. So it's good. That is very, very inspiring to hear a word I've not said on this show in quite a bit. I don't think I have either way. Um, that's good to hear that you're doing things beyond the mat. Uh, and I can't yeah. wait to see that flourish. I feel like as a wrestler, I I was saying to myself yesterday after our show, after sacrifice yesterday, I don't think I'll be remembered for being a good wrestler, which is unfortunate, but I think I'll be remembered for making a difference in people's lives, which is incredible. So if I can keep that up, then I'll be okay. And, um, and, yeah, I'm happy. and that's the thing about it um, I feel that the impact that you make um, on this world means a, a great deal so as long as you're making others happy no matter what way you, you know you may show that and this is for you know the listeners at home as well um, whether it's saying hello to the old man next door uh, or just walking you know with somebody that doesn't have anybody to talk to you know, the smallest things that you do can lead to the biggest impacts in somebody's life. So, uh, yeah. you know, and that's what uh, I've gotten from this I, conversation. I totally vouch for that. Um, during that whole, like, fiasco, John Bradley just shut it all down. And it was a small thing, but he didn't have to do any did it. And that's the reason why, uh, not only, like, he doesn't know this. Um, that's the reason why I'm alive today, because I was very suicidal at the time, because it was really damaging. That's the reason why I'm as good as I am today and why I'm keep gonna be good because people like him and my mom and RJ Singh and Paul, Paul Ash, people like those guys didn't have to do things like that. They've invested time in me. So I feel like I'm at the stage now where I want 2019 not to be my year or anything like that. I want it to be the year where I go, hey, uh, don't, I hope you guys didn't regret putting stock into me because I'm gonna deliver it very soon, <laughs> and we're all gonna profit. Trust me. Like that's what I'm. That's what I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on just showing people that hey, I, I'm I'm definitely in this. I've got a fight to give. So here I am. Well, that is great to hear, and I uh, can't wait to see the future of Alex Cupid. Alex, thank you for coming on to the show, man. And I have one more question for you, something we talked about uh, a bit on the break. And this is a question I was going to ask um, just in general, but now that you brought it into it, uh, i got to ask you, 
What is your favorite snack or your favorite food? We I heard about an Oreo monster mountain. Oh yeah, so like um, so because of the whole thing we talk about like whiteness and all that stuff, um, people call me an Oreo because I'm black on the outside, white on the inside. Um, that was like a racial slur I was called, but one was called Bounty. So in this country, we have this thing called a, a Bounty bar, which is a coconut flavored chocolate bar because it's white on the inside from a coconut and black on the outside. So I would have uh, lots of people call me uh, Bounty and Oreo, which is great during my year. Hate it. Absolutely hate it. But my favorite snack or food is uh, mac and cheese. I love it. It's my favorite thing. Um, I, I have a vegan diet now because it's beneficial for my health and animals and stuff. So um, I make my own like special like vegan mac and cheese. I'm just like, great. I love my life. Okay. <laughs> so uh, macaroni and cheese is my thing. I've got a question with the mac and cheese thing, uh, especially with uh, transitioning from being, you know, and for anybody out there that's transitioning into a vegan diet, uh, I suggest you go at a slow pace. Um, you know, don't just go right into it. Some people can have the will to do that. Um, if you have it, go for it. But I definitely suggest to take it one step at a time. Now, with that being said, um, cheese. What do you use? Do you use vegan cheese? Do you use tofu? What do you use for the cheese so to make I don't it? use any cheese, which is amazing. I use nutritional yeast, which sounds gross, but it's actually pretty cool. It's uh, just a different form of yeast, but it's in flakes. And it has a really cheesy smell and a very cheesy taste. And I use that as well as all the Caribbean seasoning in the world. Because macaroni and cheese, well, you know, the Caribbean way is the best way. So, uh... And there's no nothing else I can tell me otherwise. So yeah, it's just um, I I you know you could use vegan cheese if you want, but I prefer to use nutrition yeast. That's what I use. Well, there you go, folks. Nutritional yeast is the way to make a bomb <laughs> vegan mac and cheese. The Caribbean way. Sorry, the Caribbean. The Caribbean. The Caribbean, Caribbean, Caribbean for life. Huh? Caribbean for life. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much. No worries, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You guys are great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, and thank you, hashtag loyal, royal listeners for listening. And please, Alex, tell the listeners one more time how they can reach you on social media. Um, if you have any questions, whatever, like mental health stuff or just more questions about me, whatever I do, uh, my Gmail is theprinceofheartsalexcupid at gmail.com. That's great. Facebook page is theprinceofheartsalexcupid. Just type that in somewhere. It'll come up. Same with YouTube, Alex Cupid. Instagram, at I am Alex Cupid because I have a midlife crisis. Same goes for Twitter as well. Um, follow me on those things. Send me a message if you came from this show. Um, I'm open to talking about literally anything because uh, it's all cool with me. Alrighty, and uh, as for you, other listeners at home, if this is your first time listening, I thank you so much. You know what to do, you know what to do. Follow the channel, follow the word, follow not just the channel, follow the, the, the brand. That's what this is. This is for, This is more than just a podcast, this is a brand. This is a way Are to connect you. Pardon me? Are Part- we on iTunes? Um, yes, we're on iTunes. Well, we're actually on Apple Podcast, which is, oh. you know, um, so yeah, Apple Podcast, Spotify. Um, even though we have some issues with Spotify, hopefully the channel's back up on there. Google Play, Anchor FM, um, Cast Box, um, uh, tons of other platforms. They are on the website. Uh, that is ROD Community. 
forward slash wix.com I, I i don't know just go to the instagram that was just recently posted yesterday with the new link to the new website gotta buy the domain so once we get the domain it'll be simple all you gotta do is do rodcommunity.com and that is how you can join the community and that's how you can converse uniqueness because that's what we do on the rod show um i'd like to thank my guest alex cupid for coming onto the show once more and for all the folks listening at home you know what time it is I am your Triple Crown, Tri-National Hardcore Cruiserweight Champion of the World. I like that silence, but I need some I need some some woos from, from the crowd. Either way, Truman Huston the third. And I'm signing out, folks. Thank you all so much for tuning in to yet a lovely interview.